Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I hope you have the full hour to spend with me today because you are going to love this. We're going to talk about the list of Jesus's seven I am statements in the book of John. And I love these, and I don't want you to miss any of them. So I hope if you can't stay for the whole hour, make sure you go to the podcast and check it out. My guest is philosopher and theologian Ken Samples. He always has had a passion to help people understand how reasonable and relevant the truth of Christianity is and the claims that Christianity makes. He's the senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe and is the author of several books, including Christianity Cross-Examined, Classic Christian Thinkers, and God Among Sages. He's a regular guest every month. Ken, nice to have you with me today. Thank you for uh, making time. Bill, it's a pleasure. It's good to talk with you. Yeah, well, I'm very excited when you wanted to talk about the the seven I am statements that Jesus made in, in the book of John. I think this is going to be a fantastic hour, and I've got my notebook out. Well, it's one of my favorite topics, and uh, I think all Christians should know what Jesus said about himself, and these statements really reveal a great deal. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. So if if you're ready, I'm ready. So maybe we should start uh, with, I think it's John 6.35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Yeah, remarkable statement. Now, the context of all of this is Jesus in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, God, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God Almighty, he likes to refer to himself as I am or I am he Here I'm thinking of Exodus 3.14. I'm also thinking of the book of Isaiah uh, 41 and forward. So, uh, Bill, the most sacred name of God in the Old Testament is I am or I am he. And, of course, this implies the idea that God is the eternally existing one. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we have a couple places where Jesus seems to plug right into that Yahweh claim. I'm thinking here, for example, of John chapter 8, where uh, he has a dispute with the religious leaders of the time. They become exasperated with him, and they finally ask him, who are you? And uh, he says, before Abraham came into existence, I am. And of course, verse 59, they pick up stones to stone him because they they see Jesus taking Yahweh's claim and applying it to himself. Now, the I am statements are not exactly the same as those Old Testament I am statements. But what's interesting about them, Bill, is that Jesus places himself in the context of doing the things that Yahweh does. And here, you know, in, in as you mentioned, John 6, I am the bread of life. Well, what does God do? He sustains our physical life. And uh, Jesus says, look, just as God sustains you, 
just as God gives you food for the body, uh, Jesus says that he's going to sustain people's spiritual life. And, and the context of this, of course, is the miracles of Jesus. And so as you, as you read through John, you see Jesus operating as the divine Messiah. He is not only teaching and declaring who he is, but he's healing people in need. And so, uh, you know, you can't live without food. You just can't. Uh, maybe, maybe you could live a few weeks, depending upon your circumstances, but you, uh, you need food. And Jesus here says you need food, but you also need food for the soul. And Jesus says he is the one that provides that. So, uh, you know, we, we think a lot about going to the grocery store. We think a lot about, hey, I need my three squares. Um, the reality is that Jesus tells us man doesn't live by bread alone. He has to be sustained by that life-giving spirit. Mm-hmm. Ken, didn't Jesus uh, make that statement, I am the bread of life? Just for context, hadn't he just fed 5,000 in the wilderness? Pretty good timing to bring this out. That's exactly right. The context of uh, the miracle and and what, what's interesting, of course, I just recently I had a little vacation time. So I thought I'm going to read through all four Gospels. I just want to hear uh, the message one more time. And what you see is that, you know, Jesus says, hey, how many loaves do you have? Well, we, we've got a couple here. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's bring them out. We'll feed all these people. And the apostles say, well, well, wait a second, these few loaves aren't going to feed these thousands of people. And yet Jesus performs a miracle where these people, their their physical needs are met. And he says, just as your physical needs are met by God, I'm going to meet your spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to picture you, Ken, on vacation, water skiing while reading the Gospels. I think that's kind of an interesting picture. Well, it's uh, I, I always need a little time for rest and, and relaxation, but uh, I can't get away from the Gospels. No. Bill, I've never encountered anyone like Jesus, and that's one of the reasons I believe he is, in fact, God in human flesh, that he is the divine Messiah. Yeah. Now, you think of the ancestors that ate the manna in the wilderness, right, and they died— so he yeah. comes along and says, I am the bread of life, and this is the bread that comes down from heaven, which whoever eats, whoever may eat, and then they will not die. That's exactly right. I was thinking the other day in church when we were reciting the Lord's Prayer, and the reference is, you know, give us our daily bread. Well, I, I think it certainly involves uh, God providing for our needs, but I think it also is the context of him providing spiritual food for us. And, uh, you know, uh, you can't live by just bread alone, but even the bread that we have is provided by the Lord, and then he gives us his life-giving bread, mm-hmm. which is his body. Mm-hmm. So good. And that is from John uh, chapter 6 in verse 35. Jesus talks about, I am the bread of life. Let's move on to the next one. This is John, I believe it's 8, 12. Jesus says, I am, I am the light of the world. 
Yeah, you know, we live in a world, Bill, where there's a there's light, but it's mixed with darkness. We live in a world uh, where we need some kind of guide. We need someone to to shine a light uh, that can give us uh, direction in life. And and this whole idea of light, um, you know, not only do you need uh, bread to survive, but you also need light. I think of the metaphor of, of the sun. Uh, the sun gives us light, but God gives us this spiritual light. Jesus has come into a world that's filled with darkness, and he is our guide. He directs us. You know, we, we talk a lot about Jesus as Lord and Savior, and rightly so, but we should also talk about Jesus as our moral example. He fulfills the law perfectly. He, mm -hmm. he shines his light, and we need that light to shine on our lives, to guide us, direct us spiritually and morally. Mm -hmm. Ken Samples is my guest, and we are talking about the seven I am statements by Jesus. Now, Ken, when, when he said, I am the light of the world, and we put that in context— that, in John's Gospel, I think came right before he healed a man born blind. So he turns it around and just proves that he's light. Yeah, I love, I love this. And, and this is the way, I think, to, to really appreciate the Gospels, that Jesus is there and he is performing these remarkable miracles. I mean, again, in my most recent reading of the Gospels, I was just struck by... Jesus is a miracle worker from, from the get-go, and, and yet he is also um, drawing that attention back to him, that he is he's the Jewish Messiah. He is the one. Uh, he's greater than Moses. He can teach like Moses, but he is greater than Moses. He performs the miracles, and he, he gives us light, and that light uh, is given to that man that's born blind. He can see again. Mm -hmm. And Ken, we don't have to go very far to see the connection. We go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Yeah. This is interesting to me, Bill, that, um, you know, we, we look at the book of Genesis in the beginning. Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. It's John, the Apostle John, who penned this gospel, who tells us uh, that, uh, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. And that Word in verse 14, John 1, became flesh and dwelled among us. We see the backdrop of all of this. One of one of the remarkable things about the life of Christ is that it makes sense of the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus's life, death, and resurrection is to be understood in the context of the Hebrew Scriptures. Mm -hmm. Ken, is Jesus having a little bit of fun with this one? Is he having a little bit of fun in ministry where he says, I am the light of the world, and he turns around and gives sight to a man who's been blind since birth. And can you imagine the hysteria of the blind man having light enter his eyes for the first time? I mean, think about that. Think about that extraordinary experience. Of, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Jesus does these kinds of things. He, he heals people who have never seen. And for the first time, they encounter uh, physical light, material light in the world. He touches lepers who nobody touches. I mean, 
these these lepers they can't go to the temple they they can't be part of the community they're shut out but Jesus reaches his hand and he touches them this this is this amazing man who uh who holds all of our needs in his hand and again convinces me that he really was the son of god yeah ken when some of these untouchables approached jesus they must have felt like they had some level of either desperation or permission to do it. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, if you think about, well, you know, think about in the pandemic. I mean, we get a little uneasy when people are around us and we perceive they're sick. Well, wow, we may, we may, they may be contagious, and that that may be something that uh, makes us very sick or even, could even kill us. Mm-hmm. Well, the lepers, they have this. They have this illness. Um, you know, I, I don't want to touch anything that is contagious. That just, <laughs> I want to push away from it. I, I want to walk away from it. And uh, Jesus just reaches his hand. And imagine how long these people, they had never had anyone to touch them. Right. They never had any kind of intimacy. But then this man from Galilee, this man from Nazareth comes and he performs these miracles. And Billy does it for people who are desperate. The the blind man, the lepers, he does it for later we'll see, see Lazarus. He does it for people who really are desperate. And what I say in that context, Bill, is this, you know, many of us are desperate. We, we go, th- we're burdened, we're heavy laden. Um, we need to call out unto the Lord. Jesus again says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Mm, Amen to that. Ken Sapples is my guest. We're talking about the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the book of John. Ken Samples is uh, at reasons.org. If you want to learn more about Ken, see his good looking picture. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back. love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. If you just joined me, Ken Samples is my guest, and we're talking about the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the book of John. We started with, I am the bread of life. Then we went to, I am the light of the world. Now we're to our next one. In John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus says, I am the door. Ken, let's talk about this. Yes. Well, the the context clearly here is that Jesus is a shepherd. And of course, you you think of uh, the book of Psalms that talks about uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Um, He says, I am the door. And the context there would mean that Jesus is the one who 
who protects his sheep from the predators. He's he is the one who watches out for for his people. And this this is remarkable too, Bill, because you know, many people feel um vulnerable. Many people feel like uh something bad can happen to me. And here the context we see is that 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 sheep are vulnerable. They're vulnerable to predators, they're vulnerable to 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 all kinds of difficulties. But we have a God, we have a Lord, we have a shepherd who watches over us and, and cares for us and, and knows our vulnerability. And this, again, is uh, a, a remarkable thing that that Jesus is that good shepherd uh, that David talked about, a, a shepherd that watches over. And of course, the context here is that this is a shepherd who's even willing to lay down his life for his sheep. And that is such a powerful thing. It's it's such a simple message that comes out of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And it, and it makes sense in the ancient world where people were very agrarian. But we need to understand it in our own life, that we have a shepherd of our soul who watches over us and cares for us. Mm-hmm. When you think of the sheep being the most helpless, they have no natural defense mechanism and they'll spend their their whole day grazing with their head down, almost like people walking around with, looking at their phone now. <laughs> but um, they they have no instinct or ability to realize that they've wandered off or they're now in a place of danger. So, if we don't have this shepherd, we're we're in a lot of trouble. That's such a that's such a great analogy, Bill, because, uh, you know, recently I was watching an animal out my window as a squirrel and, you know, he's, he's walking around and, and I was thinking to myself, um, he's always got to be on guard. There's always a potential predator mm-hmm. that might come along a, a big dog or, you know, a, a human being with a shotgun, whatever it may be, uh, to be, to, to be a sheep, um, is to be vulnerable. It is to be in a position where we have very little recourse. And so we need that kind of protection. We, we need someone who watch over us. And of course, here, Bill, I think that this also means that people in life who have roles that, that have to watch over the vulnerable, when, when something goes deeply wrong and people like that abuse people, this is so fundamentally at odds with what Jesus taught to, to, to harm a vulnerable person, a child, for example, where, where Jesus says, look, uh, I'm not any shepherd. I'm the good shepherd, and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you what you absolutely need, and that is redemption through my own personal death. And so I think all of these kinds of statements, Bill— they can they can convey to us that Jesus deeply cares for us and he's watching over us and he's going to ensure uh, that we are going to thrive. Mm-hmm. Ken Samples is my guest. He's a philosopher and theologian. So this question, Ken, will come in your uh, uh, philosopher category. So if yes. Jesus is the door and the door is open for you to come in, is the door also open for you to go out? That's a really good question. And of course, it again relates to one of the issues that 
that is debated within theological circles within Christianity. How does the how does the grace of God and the human will relate one to another? Um, how does grace influence the human will? But can you uh, resist salvation? That is, could you first embrace it and then let it go? Christians have come to differing positions on that idea. But in my view, um, I believe that God gives faith, and uh, our faith is not dependent on how much we hold on to him. But I see Jesus holding on to us. And so I don't think Christians can lose their salvation, but I must admit there are other theological traditions that do accept that idea. Mm-hmm. So I know the next uh, the next I am statement is going to sort of blend together with this one because we talked about Jesus saying, you know, I am the door. Um, now let's go to talk about I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah, I, I'm very tempted to say that this is my favorite one, although it's difficult because there are so many things that Jesus is communicating here. But think, think, about, the, think about the philosophical worldview context, Bill. Um, you know, if there is no God and uh, the universe is all there is, and we're just uh, material beings living here. When we die, we go to extinction. Uh, the last word in the naturalist secular worldview, it's entropy. Uh, there's no more heat to, to do light or to do work. So when the stage closes, the last word for the secularists is, is the laws of physics, that you're gone. Mm -hmm. Here, Jesus says, look, um, nature doesn't have the last say. Death doesn't have the last say. Uh, and of course, the context is that Lazarus has died and his, uh, his, his sisters, they're, they're very upset. In fact, uh, to some extent, they want to rebuke Jesus by saying, Lord, why didn't you get here sooner? What took you? you he could still be living if you just had performed a, a, a miracle. And yet, uh, Jesus says something very powerful. He says, uh, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus is brought back from the dead. I mean, th think about the, the, the Near East and the, and the hot, the heat, uh, a dead body. I, I've, I have actually smelled the smell of a decaying body, though it's not a smell you want to ever smell. Mm -hmm. Jesus goes into that context and calls Lazarus back. And, and here's how we can apply it to ourselves. Bill, there's going to come a time when Jesus will say, Bill, come forth. Ken, mm. come forth. Mm -hmm. Death does not have the last say. We're, our lives are, are meant to live eternally. And this, this, I think, is so encouraging. Particularly again in the pandemic. Yeah. You know, Ken, let's let's hit pause just because I'm up against a break here. But when I come back, we've got more to mine with John eleven twenty five, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. So we'll continue when we come back with that. Ken Samples is my guest. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. We'll be right back.
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. I am back with philosopher and theologian Ken Samples. He's at reasons.org. That is the place you can go find him and his work. Uh, we are talking about the seven I am's of Jesus in the book of John. We started with the I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. And I had a question come in on that one, Ken. And the question was, is the sheep the people or animal? Is the people the is the sheep? sheep is the sheep the people or animal? Well, I, I think that's the great analogy that human beings are amazingly like sheep, um, and we need to see that context. J- just as a literal shepherd would have the animals, the sheep, it applies then to to those of us who belong to the Lord. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. Of course, death is not the final word for those who are in Christ, which is great comfort. And let's take this context back to where Jesus said that and what was going on at the time. Yeah, this, of course, is that, uh, that remarkable time where Lazarus is a friend of Jesus, and we even see Jesus weep. I mean, even though he knows that he can call Lazarus back from the dead. I think I think that what this tells us is that Jesus loves and he has empathy and he sees the pain and the sorrow that that death brings uh, and he experiences it. He sees he sees the sorrow and the pain uh, that Mary and Martha bear. Uh, you know, and as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking to myself that all of our lives end with separation. Uh, and sorrow and pain, but that separation, sorrow, and pain is is not. It, it is only temporal, and and so uh, in this context, Jesus then performs the ultimate miracle of raising someone who is dead back to life. Uh, again, a, a remarkable miracle, something. Something that, again, I think we should think about Jesus and his relationship to Yahweh. In the Old Testament, Bill, there are certain things that only God can do. And one of them is raising the dead. One of them is is forgiving sins. Jesus, in his miraculous works, is again showing himself to have this association with Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And Ken, don't you find it interesting the different approach Jesus took with both Martha and Mary? Yes, exactly. Uh, Again, you have, you have, you have two sisters there and and they come at this very differently. Uh, You know, one is Jesus. I, I I sent for you. Why, why weren't you here? Right. My brother Uh, wouldn't have died if you were here. Yes, exactly. Um, really kind of finding fault with the Lord to yeah. some degree. Uh, in the context of, of Mary, something very different, that that she, she recognizes that uh, even though her brother Lazarus is now dead, that Jesus can reach into the other world and pull him back. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful way in which he dealt with Martha and Mary quite differently. You know, and I'm curious, have you ever thought of this, Ken? There's no discussion of what happened to Lazarus during those days where he was gone. Nobody ever said to him, well, did you have a consciousness or were you just in a long sleep or what was going on? Yeah, a little interrogation might have been helpful. <laughs> it would have resolved some of our uh, some of our questions about the intermediate state. But uh, again, the the uh, the remarkable thing is that Jesus has the power of God Himself. He can He can raise the dead. But yeah, I'd be curious to to talk with Lazarus a little bit about what he experienced, what he saw, and and. Uh, and what he thought about coming back. Exactly, yeah. So when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he had that back and forth with Martha, then he asked Martha that question, do you believe this? Yeah. And Martha's, you know, answer was, you know, could be yours and mine, Ken, is, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was come into the world. Yes, and th- that really is the, the, the focus here. Uh, the miracles of Jesus, as extraordinary as they are, and his fulfillment of prophecy, uh, amazing things. But all of that is to convey his identity. He, he, is, he is the divine Messiah. He is the, he is the one who is to do the Lord's bidding. And in a theological context, this this is why we believe that that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Yeah, he is. He's the Son of God. And and here's one thing I saw when I read the Gospels, Bill, on on my vacation. The people, the individuals who are most certain about Jesus's identity are the demons that he casts out. They know who he is. You're the Holy One. You you are the the Son of God. They don't have any doubts whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of Jesus outside the tomb calling in a loud voice. So he's raising his voice. He's using some vocal power at this point. Yeah. And then those three words, Lazarus, come forth. I would have loved to have heard that the volume of his voice and the intensity of it. Remember, he was probably just had done, got done wiping some tears, and then he shouts this, and I would love to have heard how loud it was. And then Scripture says, the dead man came out. <laughs> Boy, can, Mic can drop. you... Yep, yep. Uh, can you imagine being there and seeing Jesus and hearing his teaching and then this event? Um Wow. And uh, were people I, making fun of him prior to that? Like that you're too late and 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 he's saying, well, he's just asleep. And then they were mocking him, weren't they? Did I have that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's the context, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's so powerful. All right, Ken. I think uh, I, I love that verse. Let's move on to the next one, which is John 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Um, I know we covered some of this when we talked about I am the door of the sheep, but this is so rich. Uh, I am the good shepherd. It, it really is. It, we, we are circling back to when Jesus talks about being the door. But, you know, again, when you read Psalm 23 and you see that uh, 
that God that that Jesus is that good shepherd that he he does the things that uh, that David would have done in in watching over his his church watching over his people uh, caring for them um, again it, th- these points are very strong that it's easy to feel in a in a world that. Uh, you know, uh, is filled with all kinds of challenges. It's easy to give in to fear. It's easy to give in to anxiety. Um, but I love these passages because they tell us that the Lord's the Lord's watching over us. I remember Saint Augustine saying in one of his writings that 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 God is closer to us than he closer to us than any brother could be. He's he's closer to us than any friend could be, any lover could be. This I think tells us that uh, we have a Lord who who cares for us and watches over us and meets our needs. And uh, these are things I think we have to encourage people, particularly when there's a lot of suffering and pain and difficulty. Mm-hmm. When he says, "I am the good shepherd," so. Is he doing some unique uh, divine identity here? And what would the listeners have understood the word good to be? Is he describing his character? What, what is he talking about here? Well, there, there of course, is uh, people who have the role of shepherd, but but they may not fulfill it. They may not be diligent about it. They they may not take all the steps necessary to to care for uh, their their animals in mm-hmm. a physical context. But Jesus is is the good shepherd. He's the one that you can rely upon. He is he is. We often use the expression the good Lord. He is the gracious one, the good one. Yeah, I, I think. What we see here is something about the divine character of Jesus. Uh, Bill, right at the center of God's attributes is this idea of goodness. And goodness relates to his love and goodness relates to his grace. And so we see this in the shepherd. He He is benevolent. He is gracious. Uh, and again, ultimately willing to lay down his life to protect the sheep. Mm-hmm. Can't ask for much more than that, that somebody would fight to protect you. Mm-hmm. And then what if somebody said to you, well, Professor Samples, what about in Mark ten eighteen, where Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. I think that he's teaching us there. Uh, I, I think he's actually bringing enlightenment to other people. Uh, why do you speak this way when you already know that only God is good? I, I think what he's telling us there is, how can I have the goodness of God and be anything other than God? Hmm. I appreciate that comment. I, I have to think about that one some more, which is what I do when I have you on the show. I have to pause and go, I, I have to think about this. Then I realize I'm hosting a live radio show and I don't have that luxury. Well, um, you know, these, these seven I am statements are things that, that, that bring you to prayerful reflection. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And I love that Jesus called himself the good shepherd because he yeah. talks about, I know my sheep and I and am known by my own. So it's clear that he knows us by name. I love that a hired shepherd may not take the risks that 
the good shepherd would take because if, if they're in danger and they're just a hired hand, they may not put their life at risk to protect a sheep. That's right on the money. Yeah. Very good. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a short break and we'll come back. We still have a couple more to do. Ken Samples is my guest and we're talking about the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the book of John. We have the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. We're going to come back with a very famous uh, I am, which is I am the way, the truth, and the life. We learn about that in John 14, 6. And this month is Pastor Appreciation Month. So pastors have an incredibly hard job. And because this month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month, you can send a note of encouragement and a coffee gift card to your pastor for free today. You can sign up to do that at myfaithradio.com. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Professor and theologian philosopher Ken Samples is my guest. He is at reasons.org. You can go learn more about him at reasons.org. All right, Ken, here's a question that came in regarding the good shepherd. How about the parable of that good shepherd that leaves the 99 to find the one lost sheep? I have some thoughts, but I want you to go first. Yeah, again, and I think you... You are very articulate that that Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep. He knows them personally, and he has care for them. And and if one of them gets lost or if uh, one becomes vulnerable, he is he's able to. And I, and I like the way you put it. He's not a hired hand. You know, the, the, the babysitter you pay to watch your kids may not uh, take all the the care that needs to be. He's going to hunt us down if we're lost. He's going to find us. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring us back. I love that. Yeah. I, I've heard this illustration, and it kind of made sense to me. If there was, uh, you know, a fire, a house fire, and there were, you know, mom and dad and six kids in the house, and there's smoke in the hallways, and the alarms are going off, and you race together the kids, and you get them all out into the safety of, like, a neighbor's yard. And then you look around, and you go, uh oh, there's still one in there. You go yeah. back and put your life at risk to go back and go after the one that's still possibly in the house. And I think that's the illustration of of they're not leaving the 99 vulnerable. The 99 right. are left in a very protected state, and then uh, the shepherd is going back, even at the risk of his own life, to find that one that's still unaccounted for. That makes good sense to me. I. I Bill on 9-11, 334 uh, firemen, New York City, perished in, in a single morning. You know, m- most of us, we want to run away. The analogy we see here is that 
that our Lord is, he's going to come for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do I have time to pay you a short compliment? A very short compliment. <laughs> okay. Um, a listener named Chris said, I'm following along with my Bible and learning lots. Thank you, Ken. You are gifted. How about that? Oh, that makes my day. I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah, mine too. All right. Um, let's see. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Let's put that in context. Yeah, the, the very next statement, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Bill, think of pluralism and inclusivism. There are many ways to God. You can come through Buddha or Confucius or Muhammad. Jesus says, no, uh, I am the way to God. And he is the truth of God. He is the the life of God. You, you know, whether we like it or not, and again, in a pluralistic age, we don't like exclusivism, but, but think of the language. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, not even one, comes to the Father except through me. Th- this is a remarkable thing that, that God has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our only Savior. He is our our only way of redemption. And uh, there are many there are many false prophets. There are many false Christs, false gospels, false gods. People have to be very discerning. And Jesus here is the one who tells us, "I'm the way to the Father." When you think about that claim, Ken, it's absolutely outrageous if you think about it. He claims, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. All right, let's just say that's an outrageous claim. It's so outrageous, you have to investigate it, don't you? To see if it's yeah. true. Exactly. It, it is absolutely outrageous that anyone would speak that way, anyone who would take on that kind of claim. I mean, you know, um, it's, it, it's Yahweh who can say these things. How dare this this teacher from Galilee make these kinds of claims? I think the answer, Bill, is simply this, that, that Jesus acts as if he represents God himself. To How you relate to him is how you will relate to Yahweh Elohim. Mm-hmm. Outrageous claims. Yeah. Yet, are they true? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you had a, a, got a letter from a very rep, reputable law firm in the town that you're very familiar with and you knew of the firm and the firm's letter said, you know, I spoke to your, your aunt Phyllis and she said uh, that you were a, a remaining um, uh, beneficiary of a very rich uncle in the UK and he's left you $30 million. All right, you would think that's so outrageous, that letter. You would have to investigate it, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You would have to go, is this true? I I had a relative in the UK I never knew about. He left me a fortune. You would follow up on that, wouldn't you? Because the claim is so outrageous. Yeah. And and by the way, these are are claims, these seven I am statements, Bill. Um, Muhammad, Muhammad can't, he can't come through on these. Ne- neither Confucius or Buddha or Krishna. Um, 
it's only it's only the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're right. These are absolutely extraordinary claims and they need to be investigated. Yeah. And hearing this um, today would hopefully motivate you to get back connected to people that you've shared Christ with and, and go at it again and say, let's have yeah. more conversation. Yes, absolutely. All right, Ken Samples, I'm enjoying this a great deal. Let's go to um, John 15, 1. I am the true vine. Yeah, this is uh, this is another powerful statement uh, by Jesus that that you know if we're not we're not in the right root if if you know if the if we're cut off from from the you know the source of spiritual life we will collapse but when we're grounded in this in this true vine that's where we have the nurturing the resource uh from from god himself and so you know uh it, it's not only knowing the lord it's also being rejuvenated is also be in fact i i think back to the garden of eden I think of uh, the tree of life. There is a prophecy of Jesus himself that, uh, you know, Jesus is that that tree of life that's that's going to give us life. Sin is taking it away. But when we're in the, the vine itself, we have salvation. Mm-hmm. And when you are grafted into Christ, when you are abiding in him, you are in the vine. And that's when we start to talk about things like the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, this is the source of our life and our spiritual fruit belongs to him. We're just the fruit hangers, aren't we? Yeah. Faith, uh, you know, saving faith is, is never alone. It's, it's always pregnant with good works. It's, it's pregnant with the fruit of the spirit. Doesn't mean that, uh, we don't struggle and fail and, and, and need repentance in our life, but, but, uh, there really is, uh, genuine fruit. And that's only because we're grafted in. Mm -hmm. John 15, four says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me and can I, I i see this as so invitational yeah absolutely and you know these are these are passages that uh would be perfect to introduce people to concerning Jesus, his his life, his death, his resurrection, his teaching. This is a this is a great place to invite people in and and let them know uh, the Son of God who is bec- who has come to us uh, in the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so much of what Jesus does in the New Testament is so invitational. And I think people, when they're hearing about the gospel, they feel like God is this big mean boss with a big stick that's mad at you. And I, Jesus says, yep. you know, come and see, believe in me, trust in me, abide in me. This is all invitational. And the, the biggest challenge to 
Christianity by atheists today, Bill, is the hiddenness of God. Where is God? How come he doesn't make an appearance? Well, he does. He he comes to us in the person of Christ, and this is the this is the divine person that we encounter. Mm-hmm. Ken, this is such a great study. I mean, I I love talking about the the I am statements of Jesus, and this has just been so fun for me. Well, me too. Um, you know, again, the reason I reread the Gospels is. I've never come across anyone like the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I want to. I want to stay connected with that. Yeah, if you could pick one of the seven that you like talking about the most, which one would it be? Wow, that's a that's a difficult one. I, I pr- probably there are two that come out: um, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. But that shepherd metaphor also really moves me. Yeah, I I love them all, and I probably use "I am the way, the truth, and the life" the most. That comes out of my mouth the most. Um, but I also uh, love uh, I love all of them. I'm I am the yeah. bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm the true vine. Those are the the seven that Jesus said in the book of John. Ken, thanks again for spending time with us today. It's just been a delight. My pleasure, Bill. Yeah, thank you so much. Ken Samples has been my guest as we talked about the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. If you missed any of this, you will be very happy to go to the podcast and listen to it from the beginning. And that is all the show we have for today. Thank you so much for spending it with me. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio means the world. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.